Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, spring break is coming to a close, and I have officially destroyed my sleep schedule. I was up until 3 a.m. watching Succession. And <laughs> yesterday, I finally was in the mode of like, what day is it? Oh, Saturday. Like, I'd lost track of the days of the week, and now back to school tomorrow. Are you familiar with the phrase, the Sunday scaries? I am not familiar with that phrase. It's just like the, you know, the the feeling of the weekends over and gearing up for Monday and the week of work. And I was wondering if you were sort of having that on overload of like, oh man, spring, I had the whole week off and now I have to go back to work because it's Sunday. But no, with other jobs that I've had, I would have had that. I'm ready to go back to work. I, I generally like my job here and I was fairly bored at times. <laughs> during spring break. Wow. <laughs> it was very organized, like knocked out my to-do list early and then had planned on doing some other stuff that I didn't need to do and, you know, just ultimately had had some time to kill. It sounds like I didn't troll you or needle you enough over the week <laughs> if you were bored. <laughs> you should have been emotionally recovering. I was just lamenting. I was like, can you go on spring break more often? Because I had a lot of fun. We got to discord into each other's streams a couple times this week, which was a blast. Yeah, for those of you that don't follow our streams, we've determined that Convolute is the best blue card in the format, <laughs> right? Yeah, best blue common, um, for sure. And oh, and that people don't know about Make Mischief. Ben is the only person casting Make Mischief in the entire format. Top red common. Uh, not, <laughs> not really, pour, but it is really good. I pour one out for you every time my opponent is forced to go face with that card. Really? Just, I have never, never... <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. I have I have fired it off to go face, but only like on a turn before I'm going to cast Rise from the Tides or flip like a thing in the ice or something like that. Most of the time, there's lots of two ones running around. So if it's not clear, if you haven't been following us on, on Twitter or on Twitch, if it's not clear, if this is your only form of uh, experiencing our content, if it's not clear, we are drafting Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered a lot and absolutely loving it. I think it's a slam dunk. I'm about ready. We'll see how it how it progresses. I'm about ready to call it the best of the three remastered sets on Arena so far. Ooh, that is a take. I mean, I've been enjoying it a lot. I started out losing handily, mostly because I was derping around and just approaching it like I was going to do whatever I wanted. And you can't do that. Like, you have to take things seriously and play with good defensive speed or play a good beatdown deck. But I think if you're doing good strategies, you're going to be able to play whatever kind of strategy you want, as long as you respect the format. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time with one, really appreciated, like, engaging with those those rules, the strict rules that it had for that format. But it has been a relief to look at a hand without a two drop and go, I, I'm allowed, actually. <laughs> I can actually keep this. You know, it's it's been relieving to look at, you know, we talked about are you going to have time for a card like Fleeting Memories? The two and a blue enchantment uh, makes a clue. And then every time you crack a clue, you mill a player for three. I was like, are we going to have time for that? Yes, I have had triple Fleeting Memories mill decks be very successful um, twice. I've had two of those actually. Like there's breathing room. There's a real range of decks available to you. But that doesn't mean you can do nothing because the beatdown decks will get you. Well, right. That's what I was going to say. The answer to is there time for fleeting memories is some of the time, which is the best answer. Like that's when it's the best because there's tension. Like, are you going to get to do the thing? Like you've dubbed my my pet blue red spells deck blue red almost win because, <laughs> because you because you almost always win. But that's what I was telling you before the show. It, you almost win because you either win 
or you almost always win. Like you don't just lose, which is a really nice feeling. Yeah, for sure. Right. The ga- the games have been been really, really good. I agree. So we've got tons to talk about. We have the shakeup with uh, the shadows of the past flex slot as Ben has dubbed because that is quite a clunky way to describe a card. We're going to dub those <laughs> the stamped cards. So we're going with stamped and not watermarked. <laughs> I think stamped is better than watermarked, right? One syllable. All right. I love it. Stamped. Okay. Stamped. Um, so we'll, we'll go with calling those stamped. We'll get to that because we got a shake up here. We've got the midweek magic event this week. And more importantly, we have the arena open will be Shadows Over Innistrad remastered. Um, and with that second week of the stamped cards. So we'll talk about all of that good stuff. First things first, let's get into some housekeeping. We've got some bad news and some good news. And we're going to start with the bad news, Ben. Take it away. Yeah. So we announced this in our Discord to give folks that were patrons of the show an update, but we are no longer partnered with TCG Player. Um, So we've been fairly unhappy with things just on our end um, since moving there from Channel Fireball, which was an absolute dream. Like, want to just get that out clearly. Working with CFB was incredible. Luis, Gabby, James, everyone over there. Harry, who's been our editor for forever, is an incredible copy editor. But once TCG Player bought CFB, like we just felt a little less valued, I think. Is that a fair way to put it? I think that's a very fair way to put it. It sort of felt like lost in the shuffle, I would say, which was a real bummer because that was the opposite of how we felt. Felt like we always said we felt like a family at CFB and that was true. Yes, 100% true. And I think certainly less true for me. And I I don't want to speak for you at TCG player, but I think you feel similarly. And to the point where we had discussed leaving once all this union busting stuff came up with TCG player, like because we felt pretty uncomfortable with that and just felt undervalued or unvalued or just like a little bit lost in the shuffle, which is not a great feeling after how tight knit everything at CFB had felt. And so like Ben said, we chatted about what we wanted to do. We had thought about leaving or or protesting, going on hiatus with the union stuff. We ultimately decided to stay for financial reasons. And then earlier this past week, uh, we were ultimately let go due to budgetary shifts. So that's the news. We are no longer working with TCG Player. I want to make a big thanks to Channel Fireball. As Ben said, it was awesome working with them. They took a big chance on us, and that meant a lot. And now we are uh, we're free agents on the market. So what does that mean for us moving forward? Well, I think first and foremost, the showdown videos between us, like you and I doing our Lords of Limited showdown videos, are going to go forward and continue on our YouTube channel. So look for some content there in the coming months. I don't know that it's going to happen like right this second, but we are planning to uh, in the interim while we're looking for a new sponsor or a new uh, company to have a relationship with, with the podcast. Um, we're going to be doing our own content back on the Lords of Limited YouTube channel. Yeah, so very much looking forward to that. That was like an early stretch goal for the Patreon. And we just really like doing those videos also. So we're going to keep doing them. And as far as we're concerned, the showdowns with team resources will continue. We're on the upswing. We can't give up now. <laughs> That's right. We're we're getting close to evening it up. What are we, two away? Yeah, two two wins away. That's all we need. Exactly. So so that's that. Um, thanks again to uh, to CFP for the awesome relationship over the past few years. And, and we're looking into the future now. And the future consists of the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. I mean, the showdown videos that we do, those would not exist without the stretch goal from the Patreon and just the amazing support that we get over there. Each 
each and every week. The Patreon page is an awesome place to check out our reward tiers. We got a lot of stuff over there. You get access to our Discord, get access to the show notes for the episode, see them in written form, get a little like sneak preview of what's going to happen. You can get access to the show a day in advance, uh, edit those on Sunday, release them there on Sunday before they go to the public on Monday. And all the way up the reward tiers, you can get access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. So if any or all of that sounds of interest to you, if you want to support the show financially and just want to say, hey, I'm just giving back. I don't, I don't really particularly care about any of those rewards. I just care about <laughs> the content in the show. We would really appreciate that. And we, of course, want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week, we're welcoming Zach, Cotillion, Christian, Blythus, Jacob, Ben, Jack, Scott, Bad Mulligan, and Johan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, we say it every week. We cannot say thank you enough, but we just want to especially say thank you to all of our patrons that are keeping the show supported. All right. Shadows over Innistrad Remastered. Give me your format thoughts, baby. Build arounds are back. I think that's the thing that has felt the best to me about this format. Yeah. And not even that the build arounds are insane. But there are a lot of build arounds that are very good. You mentioned fleeting memories. There's Ulvenwald mysteries. Just a lot of true enchantment build arounds. There's rise from the tides. There's a spells mm-hmm. build arounds. There's tribal build arounds. And none of them are busted, but they're very good. And they give you a plan and a direction for your draft. And I felt like that's been missing in a lot of recent draft formats. I totally agree. Yeah. I like we've sort of I sort of was at peace with the fact that we just don't get uncommon build arounds anymore. We we all honestly rarely get rare build arounds. And when we do, they're sort of cute, not good, right? They're tier two strategies, tier two point five strategies. I think the build arounds that you've mentioned, I mean, you know, anything beyond just sort of like creature lords that are like, you know, all humans get whatever, like anything beyond that, like, but the, the sort of derpy looking, finicky looking things, maybe turning on delirium. There's a lot of knobs to turn, but they're not bad. Like those are still good decks. If you get there, you can get good versions of those decks that can trophy, that can compete in mythic and get seven wins, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And you can't go willy nilly with all that stuff. Right. Like you can't just go hog wild with build arounds. I'm going to draw all the cards, crack all the clue tokens, because you're going to get wrecked by some of the very aggressive decks like red, black vampires with madness or green, white humans is a great beatdown deck. Those decks will punish you if you're not trying very hard to stabilize. Yeah, and I think we we can just briefly talk about because we didn't really right we didn't you know allude to the signpost on commons or whatever we didn't really talk about what the ten color pairs are sort of quote unquote doing in the format so I think it's worth maybe doing that broad strokes and maybe we'll dive into some specifics as well here because I know you've been drafting a lot of blue red spells when we get to that so Ben just mentioned red black vamps and green white humans so red black vampires certainly you are you know vampires is the creature type you're going to care about. This is a very aggressive deck. And then you also want to be looking out for a good mix of madness cards and discard outlets. And thankfully, a lot of those have been downshifted, but repeatable discard outlets are really important. Obviously, the two mana black 2-2 that discards a card to get flying and the red two mana 1-3 that discards a card to get plus two minus two until end of turn. Those are like your bread and butter madness enablers. Olivia's Dragoon and Ravenous Bloodseeker. Look at you. Did you even have to look that up? I did not. I've been playing the format, baby. Spring break. There's my guy. And I think my personal favorite deck in the format is Green 
white humans. I don't know when I became an aggro player, but here we are. Um, this is another beatdown deck. And the key here is that this is a beatdown deck, but it has game in the mid game and late game, thanks to clues, right? Shout out to Thraben Inspector, probably the best common in the format, Byway Courier as well, and then other ways to just get clues that green provides. I think that Confront the Unknown, that combat trick is excellent. Single green, investigate, and then a creature gets plus one, plus one for each clue you control. And then of course the equipment. So, you know, Thraben Inspector being a cheap two for one effectively, but then you can suit it up with these equipment that, that beef it up and turn it into a real threat. The fact that a lot of your cards do that, that really makes uh, that deck be able to grind and, and get over the top of decks that think they can stabilize. Well, and I think the other thing is you really have to build your deck right. Like the mm. decks, the decks all have roles that they want to play, whether it is aggro or mid-range or control, and knowing which role your archetype wants to play and building towards that in a streamlined way is very important to success. So for example, Red Black Vamps is super aggressive to the point where you and I were drafting and we had a choice between Mirroring Dragon, which is the three red red mythic four five that copies all your spells that are cast against it for each other creature of the caster's uh, board. So just a giant bomb rare, I think, in general, mm -hmm. versus Stromkirk Captain, which is the 2-2 the red black uncommon vampire lord that gives them all plus one plus one and first strike and you really wanted to take stromkirk captain and i thought it was really close and just didn't have the self-discipline to take the stromkirk captain turns out our deck would have been way better with a second stromkirk captain but just because of how focused and aggressive red black is we could have played a deck with all ones twos and threes if i'd taken that stromkirk captain but instead like our curve ended up stringing all the way out to six mana it was a little unfocused and i think worse as a result of that decision and that's a, a very extreme example there and again i do think that pick was really close but mm -hmm. just to illustrate that the decks have roles and you really need to be drafting and building towards what role you want your deck to play well, in green, white, I think is another great example. Like you can get good creatures that are not human. Like someone posted a deck in our uh, Patreon hero tier uh, section in our Discord yesterday. That was a really good green, white humans deck. And it had noose constrictor in it. The one in a green two to discard a card to give it plus one plus one until end of turn. Oh, it has reach as well. And I was like, I think that's one of your cuts to swap in this other card from your sideboard because it's not a human. Like you've got two of the Avacyn's Collar, those equipped to creatures that give them plus one, plus oh, and Vigilance. And if it's a human, when it dies, you make a one, one spirit. And it had Butcher's Cleaver, the plus three, plus oh, and lifelink to a human. I was like, I think you just want oops all humans here. So you are going to have to make some tough decisions, like Ben said, in draft, some tough decisions in deck building. And understanding the makeup of your deck is important, right? How many creatures do you want in these aggro decks? What amount of augmentations do you want? Do you want equipment? Do you want auras, right? There's some aura stuff that happens in the green-white humans deck as well? Um, do you want some combat tricks? We're going to argue about a card a little later on. <laughs> what, remo what removal do you need? Like how much of it? Like do you, are, are your rabid bites good? Are your bounded moon silvers good? Do you need an angelic purge? Like what are you going to be sacrificing? There's so many moving parts because a lot of the times you can find yourself. I mean, some drafts are really hard, but a lot of the times you can find yourself in that open streamlined lane where you're, you know, you're getting a good card, pick one, you're wheeling good cards, pick 10. Then you've got 30 playables 
what are you going to do? How do you build the best version of this deck with the cards you have? For sure. That takes us on to blue-red spells as our, our next archetype. And there's two different versions of this, tempo and control. I think the control version is more common. That's the one where you use rise from the tides of the finisher. That's the five and a blue. Make X tapped zombies equal the number of spells in your graveyard. Uh, there are two two zombies that come into play tapped, which is why it's blue-red almost win because you <laughs> usually... You rise from the tides and then you lose. <laughs> yeah, you rise from the tides and then you lose. But that means the game was really close. And a lot of the time you also rise from the tides and then you win. Right. <laughs> but that's what's going on there. And that takes us on to red green werewolves, which I think is the truest mid range deck in the mm -hmm. format and also just has a lot of tribal elements to it as well. Yeah. And I think is sort of classic beat down mid range, whatever. I mean, also sort of benefits from the fact that, you know, green gives it byway courier. But I think this is the deck that I can get the messiest green white a little bit as well, but you can get pulled in a lot of different directions. Like just be a very wary of do, you're like, am I having a little red spells package or, oh, am I doing a little madness thing? Like, and then I'm playing these, like, how much do you want to veer from what the archetype is telling you to do? I think will probably be based on which of the uncommon or rare payoffs you get for that kind of, you know, streamlined archetype. Like, like, do you get Immersturm? Do you get, or do you get Immerwolf? Are you getting some sort of like big rare wolf thing, um, mythic wolf or whatever for your deck? Well, then you maybe want to be more streamlined. But I think this is another deck that I, I, I've seen get built a little, um, I don't know, schizophrenically, I'd say. Yeah. And I think Red Green's worst nightmare is our next deck, which is Blue White Spirits <laughs> tempoing out the meta. You got to tempo out the meta with your Blue White Flyers tempo deck. I think this is one of the decks that gets the biggest hit um, in terms of what's leaving from the stamped slot. Um, but we'll talk about that a little later. But it is a true tempo aggro deck, right? You're trying to get cheap flyers yes. down, disrupt your opponent, and then use Apothecary Geist and, and spells like Drag Under to disrupt your opponent so that they can't quite race you and you kill them in the air. Just a, cl like a classic blue-white flyers deck. And it's a deck, it's forced to race. Like, you're signing up to race, and that's largely because of Tattered Haunter, the two-drop, the two-mana, two-one flyer that can't block creatures without flying. Um, I think that that really makes it so you're just like, and, and your creatures just all block poorly, right? They're flash two-one flyers as well, the tap things. Like, you're really just, you're signing up to beat down and race. And lose to make mischief. <laughs> <laughs> that takes us on to blue-green clues, which is don't die and win with card advantage, clue build arounds, maybe some deck loops with Epitaph Golem. Um, this is one of my favorite decks. I mean, it's largely, this is probably the poster child for are for the build around on commons because there's so many of them. Um, but once you get them, they're really good. And shout, shout out to you. I was wrong about Erdwall Illuminator, pa partially because <laughs> I was wrong about how good a two mana one three flyer is in the format. Um, but I think just also I was wrong about doubling your clues was not win more. It's just win. Well, and also with blue green clues, you mentioned the dearth of build arounds. You can't have all of them. Like you can't Correct. be having you can't be having like Ulvenwald Mysteries and the blue one that like lets you exile creatures to gain life, plus crawling sensations where you're like milling yourself. They're all fairly different things. And I think well, you would prefer your deck to be focused around one, maybe two of them. And they're all enchantments that don't affect the board ultimately. And that's sort of why I think Erdwall Illuminator is nice because it's sort of a build around, right? It's a payoff for making clues that also affects the board. Yes, for sure. 
And that takes us on to our next deck, which is Green Black Delirium, which in my head and I think in your head was kind of a fussy mid-range control deck that was not great. Like the the Delirium stuff felt bad to me, like because there wasn't enough of it and it was kind of tough to get Delirium, but then you were only doing it for like one or two cards, but there were a lot of deck building considerations to try to get Delirium for those one or two cards. And I think we just had it wrong. Yeah, I was uh, on the call playing with you on your stream and we queued up against Raph Levy, who just absolutely crushed us with a low to the ground. Well, it's easy. We lost. He crushed us. He had <laughs> <laughs> Gnarlwood Dryads and Obsessive Skinner. And then we dealt with one of them trying to race or whatever. And then he got two things back with Macabre Waltz. We, I would say we were soundly crushed. He top decked a Plains. Uh, that's true. He did top deck of Plains to cast his Angelic Purge. That's fine. Anyway, then he released a seven minute YouTube video yesterday outlining this deck, his philosophy with it. He has you know four really strong versions of the deck. And his take is that this is the best deck in the format, green-based Delirium, largely, I think, paired with black, but can be paired with white. And I think his big take is that because of the two cards that have been downshifted to common, Obsessive Skinner and Gnarlwood Dryad, that's the two-mana 1-1 one, one human, puts a counter on a creature when it comes into play. And then if you have Delirium, every one of your opponent's upkeep, it also triggers that. And then Gnarlwood Dryad, which is the 1-1 one, one death touch for one. But if you have Delirium, it gets plus two, plus two. So one mana, three, three with death touch. Pair that with Rabid Bite as the bite spell at common and Grapple with the Past as the mill three return a land or creature from your graveyard to your hand at instant. That all four of those being at common and, and probably not being viewed as the top four commons or whatever, you know, I think there are some cards ahead of those. Certainly in my mind, I was like, well, I put Byway Courier ahead or whatever. Like that that package existing at common being consistent is good. And I've sort of seen the light since then. I've been I've been sort of like I'm soft forcing isn't quite right, but I've had a couple versions of this deck since then and I I'm 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 on on board with this take. Well and what I was asking you, because I, I watched the video most of it. Fast forward it a little bit. Seven minutes seven, is a seven long minutes time. Is too much for him. It's a long time. So I was asking you, did he ever talk about how to get into the deck? And you were saying, no, not really. But you've been treating Obsessive Skinner kind of like I have Malkator, which made a ton of sense to me. Yeah. So basically, like, you know, some drafts, you just take whatever signpost, you take a rare, you take a build around early, and, and then your subsequent picks fit that bill and you're off to the races. Other times, and I'd say, you know, a fair amount of the time, my my drafts are are a little messier than that. And I don't have a clear direction. And that's sort of how I felt sometimes in one. And then boom, I have Malkator pick five was, oh, I could do that. And oh, I remember there was an I have Malkator in my first pack, actually. And so maybe I get that pick five, I get it pick nine. Now I have a deck and I have a plan. Same deal with when I see Obsessive Skinner pick five and I'm, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, I can take that. Oh, I remember there was a, a grapple or there was a gnarlwood dryad in my first pack. And oh, that wield. Okay. And now I, I've got a plan. Well, and the thing that was most impressive to me about this too was in tandem with things like grapple or macabre waltz, both gnarlwood dryad and obsessive skinner are so cheap. Like, yeah. so let's say you're macabre waltzing back two gnarlwood dryads. That's four mana at that point in the game to put two, three, three death touches on the battlefield, which is just <laughs> insanely good. Yeah. Very, very strong. And I think this deck is only about to get better with the shift of the stamped cards. Right. So and best deck in the format, that's up for debate, I think. But clearly a part of the format and a deck that you need to know how to draft and have in your repertoire for sure. Very real, I would say. Yeah. That takes us on to red, white aggro Boros, baby. Ben, we drafted Boros. Are you a Boros believer? New meta. New meta. Uh, this is just hyper aggro. You can have some like slight human synergies, but I think it's it's 
going to be a deck that's largely like the cards do what they say. Maybe you lean a little bit more humans. Maybe you've got some madness stuff if you're leaning more vamps, but I think you're just curve out beat down. Right. And worse as a result, I think, than red, black vamps or green, white humans, because you don't get that tribal boost. And yes, the lords are about to go away, but there's a lot of tribal boosts that are not in that stamped slot in the packs that are Mm going to stick around that I still think make both vamps and humans better than something like red, white, but still very draftable. Mm -hmm. Next up is blue, black zombies. This is getting crushed by the 17 lands data. I mean, this deck is not good this week. And again, it's about to lose Drogskull Captain. It's about to lose its Lord. I, I just, I have no idea. I first picked Drogskull Captain earlier this week and I was like, cause I was like, oh, I haven't drafted the zombies deck yet. And then every pack, I was like, what cards are here <laughs> for the zombies deck? Yeah, the, this deck, I think, this gets my vote for worst deck in the format, or at least if blue black is a deck, it's not this. Right. Well, and I think part of it is that it doesn't have a great role. Like it's not good at being a beatdown deck. It's not good at stabilizing and winning in the late game. Like it doesn't have a ton of clues. And I think all of that leads up to it struggling. Yeah. And the last archetype is white black, which maybe is is sacrifice. Not super well supported. It's about to get two rock solid heavy hitters in lingering souls and unburial rights, which we'll talk about. So I think that'll beef the archetype, if nothing else, for just raw card quality. But I think you have to be a little nervous that people might just be snapping those cards up in black decks and white decks, respectively, and just trying to splash the flashback halves, you know, so you might not even get rewarded for being in black, white and get those cards. Yes. And again, this deck is playing your good white and black cards, I think, from from what I've seen so far. Yep. All right. Next one, I literally got wrecked for not doing this right after I typed it in the show notes. (laughs) There's a ton of good rares and uncommons running around, and you should try to save your removal for key targets, which is the opposite of Phyrexia all we want, right? We were telling you, fire off your removal, fire off your removal, use it to change the tempo, use it to push damage. You can't really do that in this format because there are so many good rares that you have to get off the battlefield. So I was a a green-white deck, and I was on board, three two-twos, and my opponent played a Courageous Outrider, which blank my boards with three four and i fired off my angelic purge on it and the next turn they slammed bruna and like yes that's one story but that happens so much because the rares are at the top of the curve too Mm. like a lot of the rares are five six seven mana and if you fire off your removal to try to push damage and you're not closing the game out very quickly i think you can really get punished for it so i would say try to save that removal well and in tandem or in conversation with that point about like if the game is going long if your deck doesn't have access to clues or a good reason for the game to go longer like like one of those top end rares like rise from the tides you really need to try to end the game quickly you know we were playing uh when we were playing earlier this week we had a lot of games where like we were clearly like, you know, draft went a little rough. We were just a red, black beats or red, white beats. And we play against blue, red. You know, your role in that matchup immediately. You don't care at all about card advantage in that match because, you know, you can't win in that axis, you know? Right. Yes. Identifying your role for your deck and the matchup for sure. And I want to just make a note about gameplay in this format in general, but also with clues because so many decks have access to them. Oh, it's just two mana, you're drawing cards, whatever. You really need to remember the heuristics of spend all your mana when you can and affect the board, like when all else fails or as your default, affect the board whenever possible. It can be tempting, I think, to like, I don't know, instead of playing your four drop with five mana, play your not impactful three drop and crack a clue because it uses all of your mana. 
but it would be better for you to like light that one man on fire to affect the board with your four drop. Like you have to make those considerations because clues slotting in along your curve can mess you up. And I've seen a lot of people like go for the value rather than for the immediate board impact. And I think that gets you into trouble. Yes, would recommend playing to the board for sure. The last thing I would say just about drafting is that it's very possible to delay the decision a lot during the draft portion, largely because there's a lot of individually powerful cards, right, that don't necessarily go in the same deck. So maybe you're taking a rare here, an uncommon that goes in a different deck here, another uncommon that goes in a different deck, and then you get a weirdly late rare like pick four because some of the packs have three rares in them, you know. So drafts can be a little all over the place. And I think you are supposed to delay the decision and put out feelers into multiple archetypes at times, but you can also really get lost in the sauce if you're not careful. I have had some train wrecks in this format. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think it was earlier rather than later, but because it took me a little bit, as you said, to like sort of get your bearings, but also to sort of understand, like, I think you want to stay open, but also the fact that there's a rare there's build around on commons in the pack there's the stamped slot that can have a rare there's double faced cards that can be rares you can get kind of weird signals right you can see cards pick four pick five that in your mind shouldn't be there but that don't necessarily mean that that color color pair archetype tribal thing is open so i think you want to stay open but also have to know like when you're supposed to take some agency in the draft and when you're supposed to sort of decide what you're doing and stick to it um which i like i don't have any sort of hard and fast rules about that it's a real sort of every draft is different type of thing but just being aware that that is a mindset for the draft format has helped me Yeah. And I think one of the things that's helped me is paying attention to the cards that go late in certain archetypes, even if they aren't great. Like, so let's say I've got feelers out into three different decks, like midway through pack one, you know, around pick six, pick seven, those pick seven, pick eight. And then on the wheel cards, if they go in a certain archetype that I could go into, even if they're not great, like sometimes that's a way to make the decision rather than waiting for like one more banger, all-star, rare, uncommon to like nudge you over the edge. So for example, like I have the chance to go spirits and I'm getting some late tattered haunters and apothecary guys, like using that to push me down spirits and commit to an archetype. Well, and I think you and I have been biasing towards different decks as a result of this. Like I've definitely been biasing to red, black, and green, white as best I can. Certainly when drafts feel a little wonky, because I feel like those decks exist at common. There's a redundant of the kinds of things you you care about. And I think similarly, you've been biasing towards blue-red spells because, again, you can get such good commons for those decks super late. And when you like have that feeling, you're like, well, all I really need is like one of the good uncommons to get opened and passed to me, and I'm going to have a deck. For sure. And I like almost winning. <laughs> Definitely love an almost win. <laughs> all right, let's talk about some cards that have impressed and some cards that have left us perhaps depressed. Uh, first up is Strength of Arms. This is I don't even know what this does. Single white plus two plus two. And if you control an equipment, you also get to make a little one one soldier token. Yeah. So I have played a lot of green white humans and I don't love this card. This has a pretty high win rate according to the data. I think it's the second highest common in the format. Yeah. Second. Talk data to me, please. (laughs) Um, 
I was saying, we were arguing about this a little bit yesterday. I was saying that I don't find like I often have room for this card, but I, I know that like, you know, the dad is talking to me. So I know that like the card is doing work. We always say that like cheap one mana combat tricks like this that even have more than just, hey, one mana plus two plus two, like this has a little bit more value. These are good, um, but I just feel like I would rather have my augmentation spells in my green white deck be equipment or even sometimes auras than tricks. Yeah, I would say equipment for me first, then tricks, then auras. And you had mentioned the green combat trick that investigates and then gives plus one plus one equal number of clues. I think that's sort of interchangeable with strength of arms. But the most important thing I found is that you have one mana tricks to enable attacks for you while you're still able to advance your board. Yeah, that checks out. Next up, we have Spontaneous Mutation. This is a single blue for an aura with flash. Enchanted creature gets minus X minus O, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard. This this has impressed. I mean, a lot of what blue is doing is you know churning through its its library maybe it's even doing some self-mill stuff um but it also just doesn't take much for this to be impactful and it grows with the game right scales with the game i think all of that on a one mana flash spell makes this pretty darn good yeah and i think what you mentioned is the key there a lot of the blue decks are trying to get to the late game and turn on an engine or bury you in clues or have time to cast rise from the tides or whatever the case may be and spontaneous mutation buys you that time to really get you over the hump. Uh, this has been a key card, I think, for me in blue-red spells. I wasn't playing this initially, and it's just as good as the red burn to help you stabilize and not die. I mean, that's a great point. Like All of your interaction, even some of your ways to affect the board, they're all instants and sorceries in that deck. Right, they're all going to the graveyard, and then this is also just like another way to kill a creature one mana. So yeah. imagine this instead of Convolute. Then you're, then you're winning instead of almost winning. <laughs> there you go. Next up, shout out to uh, Ari Lax in our Discord. He sort of pointed this out because we were saying, I, I shouted this out as clunky in the episode last week. And he was like, actually, this is better than you think. And this is certain death. This is the six mana sorcery speed, kill a creature. But then importantly, your opponent loses two life and you gain two life. We've seen it time and time again. The gain two, drain two on these black commons, it just always overperforms. No matter where they put it, this card overperforms. I mean, the clunky gnomer might still stand, but certainly better than clunky. I agree. It, it has impressed. I've been happy with at minimum one copy in basically all of my black decks that aren't like the most hyper aggressive red black vamps. Yes. Next is Macabre Waltz, getting back madness creatures or maybe even getting back the, the cheap delirium creatures in Raph Levy's deck. But this is the one in a black sorcery. Uh, you return two creatures from your graveyard to your hand, and then you discard a card. So when you get back madness creatures, like you get the creatures back first, and then you discard. So you can discard one of the madness creatures that you picked up just for immediate cheap casting cost value. A lot of synergy with Macabre Waltz and Red Black Vamps. I played this in an Abzan Delirium deck yesterday, and this was so crucial in pick up two things, then pitch the fourth type to enable Delirium. Like being able to pitch a land to this to enable Delirium was really awesome. Yeah, it just does so many small things so well. Yeah, that like when you can turn that discard into an upside rather than a downside, that's when you're doing it with Macabre Waltz. Next up is True Faith Sensor, aka the Pirate's Cutlass Absurd. Yeah. This card is so good for the humans deck. How many of these would you play in a humans deck? I would think my my answer is three. Yeah, I think I'd probably play three. So this is the two mana equipment, two to equip. And it gives your creature plus one plus one and vigilance for any creature. And then if it's a human, it gets an additional plus one plus oh. 
This card just does so much work in a human's deck as far as allowing your creatures to stay relevant throughout the entire game. I mean, just what I was talking about, like Thraben Inspector with this is now a 3-3 Vigilance. So that's a real problem. Yes. <laughs> and and it drew you a card. True right. Sensor is, is quite good. To build your own Sirulf's Packmate with Vigilance. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, exactly. All right, Ben, I got to give you this next card. Take Inventory. One in a blue sorcery, you draw a card, and then you draw an additional card for each copy of Take Inventory in your graveyard. This is a little clunky. A little clunky. If, you know, we've talked about clues not impacting the board, but once you get three Take Inventories yeah. in your deck... It's quite real. I mean, the first two copies are pretty mopey, and certainly you would like ways to self-mill to incidentally get some take inventories in your graveyard. That's when it really starts to pop off. But I think a good card, and a card worth going after, certainly, and one of the good reasons to have like sorceries in your blue-red spells deck. Like, There's not a ton of cards that cantrip. It's really only take inventory and thrill of possibility. Yeah, I had a real like Ben Werney relationship with this card in that I, I think I thought this card was bad because I've been, a, you know, maybe a little too much one in my head of like, got to affect the board, no time. But the times when my opponent have really done it with take inventory, like they cast the first one and I'm like, ugh, <laughs> stupid, two mana not affecting the board. And then they cast the next one. I'm like, oh, it's kind of cute. And then I cast the third one and I'm like, this is about to be a problem for me. And then the fourth one is I'm not winning this game. Like, oh, for sure. You're not winning the game after the third one. Yeah, really. I, my, my opponent uh, was in blue-white yesterday, and they they cast one, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to win this easily. Well, the game ended with them casting the fifth one, going oh down God. to two cards left in their library and just burying me in card advantage. That's so, brutal. I think, I'm, I think I'm on board for take inventory. Yep. Next up is Lightning Axe. Red for the deal five. You can either, as an additional cost to cast it, pay another five mana or most commonly in this format, discard a card. So this is essentially an upside for your deck if you have a lot of madness cards. And another shout out to the Blue Red Spells deck is Shreds of Sanity. This is two in red for a sorcery. You can return an instant and sorcery from your graveyard to your hand, then discard a card and exile Shreds of Sanity. This is such good insurance, right? In your Rise from the Tides deck. Right, where you're maybe self-milling and you're in danger of milling your Rise from the Tides or like you're just trying to find your Rise from the Tides. Like it's kind of a tutor when you put cards in your graveyard, maybe with um, the 3-3 three, three zombie that mills for or what have you. And then this lets you rebuy it back. Also just helps keep you alive. I mean, if you're rebuying a drag under and some red instant speed burn spell, that buys you a lot of time on the way to rise from the tides. Next up is Shrill Howler. This is 2G for the 3-1, and it can't be blocked by creatures with power less than it, and you can transform it for 5 and a green into a 3-5, and whenever it damages your opponent, still can't be blocked by creatures with power less than it, and whenever it damages your opponent, you get a free 3-2 Eldrazi token. Yeah, I mean, this card is just great. I mean, I think only in your, like, humanist of human decks would you ever cut this, but otherwise in, like, any green deck, you're pretty happy to play this. But I wasn't picking it that highly. Like, I was passing it, I think, at times I should have picked it. It's a problem on the battlefield. Yeah. This won't be that relevant anymore because Immerwolf is rotating um, in the stamped slot, but with Immerwolf in play, you can't transform this to its backside. Mmm. Because Immerwolf doesn't let you. It says non-human werewolves. Did you, did you werewolves. get got by that? Or did I did opponent? not. I did not. I just saw some uh, some Twitter screenshots of it. Um, next up, we have Epitaph Golem. And I swear, 
This is not derpy (laughs) library. This is not library loop Ethan coming to talk to you about like this sweet thing he did one in a hundred drafts. No, I think this is quite real. And especially with the flashback stuff coming with, you know, people wanting to do loops with spider spawning, et cetera. Epitaph Golem, I think is the real deal. This is a five mana for a three, five artifact creature. Also relevant that it has double types for delirium, but five mana, three, five artifact. And you can pay two to put a card from your graveyard onto the bottom of your library. So this is a sort of never deck kind of card two of these to like loop them is kind of clunky but it's not hard to just have like this and grapple with the past they can loop with each other and it's nice that grapple as a sort of raise dead effect can always get this back no matter what no matter when you cast the grapple as long as golem is in your yard and i've definitely had decks that won this way i have lost against opponents whose plan was to do this or whose insurance plan was to be able to never deck and have the loops with Epitaph Golem. So just just be on the lookout for it. And I think especially when we get to some spider spawning shenanigans next week. And that's in tandem with Crawling Sensation, right? This is the two green enchantment mm-hmm. that mills two. And then when a land goes to your graveyard, you make a 1-1 one, one insect. Or a bunch of the you know four mana, three, three zombies that mill four when they ETB. You know, I've had some pretty darn good turbo self-mill decks that uh, that can get there, and then they just stack their library with Epitaph Golem. For sure. Next up is Neglected Heirloom. I know Ben's not a believer in this card, but he neglected should be. Neglected Heirloom, as I say. <laughs> right, Neglected Heirloom. This is Short Sword. So the front side is an equipment. It's uh, one mana for plus one, plus one. Equip cost is one, but it's a transformation card. And if the creature it's equipped to transforms, then it transforms itself and now equipped creature gets plus three, plus three, and first strike, and it has an equip cost of three now. So really strong card. I think a lot of the aggressive decks, even if you have no, really like no ways to transform, I think you're happy with short sword and a lot of your aggressive red black decks, a lot of your aggressive green white decks. But even if your red black deck just happens to be playing the one mana werewolf with haste that flips into a two, two menace, Sometimes you just get to mize the flip on this card, and it's excellent. And sometimes you're not even mizing the flip on this card. You just have a handful of transformation cards, and you're happy to flip it. I think this card is highly underrated. Highly underrated. You heard it here first. Next up is Town Gossipmonger, white for a 1-1. I remember this card being good, and it is as good as I remembered, but it is going criminally late. So you can Mm -hmm. tap another creature to flip it into a 2-3 that has to attack each turn, and then you can pay two mana to give it plus one plus O oh, as many times as you want. Good enough. And people don't know what it does enough that I've had people just attack into this. Yep. Like, and I flipped it into a two, three and eight there two two. you know? Right. That's the thing that I think people don't, they look at it and they're like, well, yeah, it's like good on turn one, but this is so bad to draw later. It's like, no, what you, you're missing is that the turn after you cast this, you can block with it, then tap it and something else, transform it, then pump it. So it can trade up on blocks even in the late game very well. And on turn one, you just you play this turn one. This is the play pattern, folks, because Ben Ben gave me a little bup up up when we were streaming earlier this week when I passed on turn two. You play this turn one, play your creature next turn, your one drop, your two drop on turn two, pass, flip this, win. That's that's how you that's how you play with Gossip Monger. Heck yeah. All right. How about the cards that have underwhelmed us? Okay, just a couple cards that have underwhelmed. We have a longer list here in the show notes, but I think it is not particularly interesting because these were mostly just revelations for myself or notes for myself. But two that I think are worth shouting out for the general population. First is Wretched Griff. And just in general, a lot of the emerge creatures that aren't rares, a lot of the rare emerge creatures are insane. But the common and uncommon ones 
generally the juice has not been worth the squeeze in my experience. There's just not great enablers for them. And you take such a hit in tempo. For example, Wretched Griff is seven mana, three, four flying draw a card. And then you have an emerge for five and a blue where you can sacrifice a creature to make its emerge cost cheaper by the mana value of the sacrificed creature. And you're just giving up too much similar to you know an Ikoria the otter into the the heron dream mm. like where you're trying to mutate like it's just a little clunky and you're getting behind on board while your opponents are doing better stuff well and this card and its subsequent enablers or these cards and their subsequent enablers aren't desirable right like the the three mana two two in blue that dies that when it dies draws a card and wretched griff I'm like what what deck is this it's just not a great deck. And I think it's just not. Yeah. Wretched Griff was very good in its original format. I think your memory was correct there, but it just has not panned out in this flashback set. I agree. And the next one is Wildfield Scarecrow. This looks like it should be fine fixing Delirium Enabler. It's three mana, one four, and you can pay two to sacrifice it to search up two basics and put them into your hand. But if this card is in your deck, your deck is a disaster, I think is a fair way to put it. Would you say? I think that's true. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's not like it's so bad, but it's indicative of a lot of things going <laughs> wrong. Like it's indicative of I really wanted to do these things, but I didn't get there. And so that maybe means you drafted the wrong deck. And then you're just like, eh, maybe Wildfield Scarecrow can help me. It can't. It can't. It, it's really bad. Like you give up similar to the Wretched Griff, giving up board presence to put lands in your hand is just a nightmare against any deck that's trying to pressure you. And you just end up dying to humans and vamps while you're trying to do whatever sweet thing that was ill-advised during the draft portion that you were trying to do. I wasn't even a fan of Burnished Heart and Bro. That was a three mana two two that did the same thing, right? But it put the lands into play. <laughs> Like, well, yes. Well, like, I mean, I, the thing that gets me about Wildfield Scarecrow is it's like a delirium enabler too. Like, right. it's an artifact. That's, like, it's just, it's tempting. Just don't put it in your deck. Just don't do it. Okay, let's chat real quick about this stamped slot. What decks are losing? And maybe a slight chat about what decks are gaining after that. So this week was all about the allied color pair tribal decks. So we're only going to look at those five decks basically and what they're losing. So green, white humans, and we're, we're talking about non rares here as well, because it kind of came up more often. So uh, green, white humans is losing elder Cathar, the three mana, two, two creature, and then two equipment, Avacyn's Collar, plus one, plus O Vigilance. If it was human, it dies into a spirit. And Butcher's Cleaver, plus three, plus O, and Lifelink if the creature was a human. Elder Cathar, whatever. Those two equipment, quite good. But I think, you know, True Faith Sensor is still really good, and that's not going anywhere. And kind of wild that Green White is perhaps getting a boost. <laughs> like, it was supposed to get a boost this week. I think it's getting a better boost next week with the addition of travel preparations. So travel prep, if you don't know, is one in a green for a sorcery. Put one plus one plus one counter on up to each of two target creatures, and then you can flash it back for one in a white. It is insanely powerful in a Green White beatdown deck. Two drop, three drop, travel prep, flashback travel prep, just wins games. Wins the game, yes. It is by far in and of itself if you see a travel prep that's a reason to draft green white agreed used to be common now it's uncommon so it's gonna be a little less broken than it was but still very good next up we've got blue white spirits which is a huge loser this is losing battleground geist that's the five mana three three you have your spirits plus one plus oh and drog skull captain which was the blue white uncommon that gave your spirits plus one plus one and hexproof. this is a big loss to spirits 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, your mileage may vary on battleground guys, but Draxel Captain was really important. Like, I think ways to beef up. Um, one of the things that I found as a problem with the Spirits deck was the two power nature of it. That like, you know, Erdwall Illuminator, one three flyers or three toughness creatures that have flying or reach kind of blank your board a little bit. So when your battleground geist or your Drogsfall captain can can push those through in the late game or change the race in your favor, like as we talked about, the deck is auto racing. I think Blue White Spirits loses quite a bit. Yes. Blue Black Zombies up next, already not good, getting worse. You're losing the Diagraph Captain, which is the Blue Black Uncommon, and Ghoul Razor, which is, again, whatever, one black black for a 2-2. When it dies, you return a zombie at random from your graveyard to your hand. This deck was not great, and losing the Lord's going to make it worse. So maybe there's a blue-black deck out there, but it is not blue-black tribal zombies. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's using stuff like Pour of the Pages and Madness or something. Like maybe it's blue-black as a sort of proxy for blue-red spells. You know, maybe there's a blue-black Rise from the Tides deck out there. Um, I could see that for sure. The fact that Geese's Bidding still exists as a you know spell that affects the board, the four mana make. Two two twos. That, that that could work. And it's weird that the deck underperforms so much because Black's got so many good comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Next up is Red Green Wolves. It's getting rid of its Lord in Immerwolf and a you know non-existent spell in Moonmist. Not a huge loss. Like Immerwolf is good, but I think not necessary for the deck. I assume Red Green Wolves will still perform pretty darn well. Yes. And lastly, Red Black Vampires is losing some cards. You're losing Vampiric Fury, which is the instant that gives all your vampires plus two plus oh in first strike. Whew, that card has been a beating at times. Mm-hmm. And then Stromkirk Captain, which is the Lord that gives them plus one plus one and first strike. Yeah, I think, again, somewhat of a loss. I think worth noting that Red Black still gets the black 2-1 flyer that can't block that can pay red to give a vampire haste until end of turn. I think that card's pretty darn good still. And I think the deck gaining flashback spells is pretty huge because you don't mind discarding those to your discard outlets, because then you can still cast the backside of them, um, and then you get that bonus, whatever, even launching just your Dragoon into the air or getting your uh, Bloodseeker plus two, minus two until end of turn. I would say just the thing to note with Red Black Vamp is you got to get the game over with, because you don't have access to clues. Right. And so you just lose the long game to every deck that has access to clues. I mean, Macabre Waltz helps in that sense, but you can't play like multiple copies of that card, really. Right, because then you're just diluting your own game plan to have a worse version of like a clue decks game plan. And I think, you know, Delirium slash Splashing, losing Traveler's Amulet is kind of big. This is the one mana artifact, pay one tap, sack it to search up a basic land, put it into your hand. You know, the deck still has, you still have Terrarian as your one mana cantripping uh, artifact, but uh, just a note that you are losing Amulet. That's a huge loss. I'm very sad. I wish Traveler's Amulet were sticking around all four weeks. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Stuff we expect to get better next week. Blue Red Spells, which is my boy, is going to get, I think, the biggest boost. And already, yeah. in my opinion, is a great deck. Well, I mean, if it if it almost wins, it better get this with this boost. It better go from almost wins to always wins. Always wins. Blue Red always wins. So you're going to pick up a bunch of good rares. You get access to Faithless Looting, which is red, discard two, draw two with flashback for two and a red. You get Forbidden Alchemy, so maybe some Grixis spells yeah. going on. 
Uh, two and a red lets you look at the top four, put one of them into your hand, and then you can flash it back for six and a black. There's Mystic Retrieval, which is another blue, red, gold card with flashback that lets you rebuy instant and sorceries. And you're also going to pick up Silent Departure, which is a huge tempo boost. Uh, it's blue for a sorcery return target creature to its owner's hand and then has flashback for four and a blue. So just getting spells that go in blue, red spells is going to be a huge boost because so many of the, the packs with red combat tricks, like if red combat tricks get opened instead of tormenting voice you're just in huge trouble as far as like getting a density of spells in your deck sometimes and all of these cards are going to help that problem yeah i think really want to highlight silent departure i think this to people who have not played with this card before looks kind of clunky sorcery speed bounce you don't really draw whatever and then flashback is so much mana to bounce this card is excellent this i don't know why this is like ingrained in my brain but back in the day on mtgo they did some like data for limited this was you know before the 17 lands data silent departure was the second most popular common to show up in trophy decks wow weird stat but i'm here for it I just remember being so surprised by it at the time because, I, and so I, maybe that's why it sticks in my head. Cause I, it was like, it's one of those things sort of we, we take for granted now where you have an inkling about a card. You're like, Chimney Rabble seems like it's doing better than it should, you know? And then you look at the data and you're like, dang, it really is. That's sort of how I felt about Silent Departure. Yeah. White Black, as we talked about, it's getting two bangers in Unburial Rites and Lingering Souls is huge. This is two and a white for a sorcery, make two one one spirits with flying, and then has flashback for one and a black. Like I said, I don't think I don't think being black white is gonna allow you to be the only person wanting to snap this card up. I think this card will not be uh getting passed to too many people. Most people who open this card should be taking it. Yes, but I think if you get it, certainly is going to boost white black as a deck and give you some direction in just having great cards. Like that's yeah. a way to win a lot of games of magic. And Unburial Rights is uh, four and a black to return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield and then has flashback for three and a white. We already talked about travel prep in the green white deck. Red white actually getting a boost as well in Rally the Peasants. This is two and a white for an instant that gives your creatures plus two plus oh until end of turn. And then it has flashback for two and a red. This is a great way to close out some games in a red-white beatdown deck. Can I can I take a little story time pause real please, quick? Please, please do. Uh, because Rally the Peasants has a very clear memory in my head, and it's not a good one. It's not one I'm proud of, <laughs> Okay, but I'm going to share it. So this is uh, back when I lived in Chicago, me and my, my roommate, we would draft together on MTGO, um, and we had a bad red-white beatdown deck, as red-white beatdown was bad in the uh, original Innistrad. And we GG'd our opponent in the MTGO chat. Preemptive? Went to attacks. Oh, no. They didn't block because we had said GG. And then we cast Rally the Peasants and flashed it back to steal the win. Wow. Do you feel like a terrible person right now? I mean, that was like 13 years ago, so I've kind of gotten over it. But I, it's still, it's a little gross. Like, at least I'm not like salt roping people by accident on my <laughs> no, phone. No, that's what I was know? thinking. Our <laughs> podcast is just full of awful humans. <laughs> uh, last deck here is green, black, that's sort of like junk, self-mill. We've talked about spider spawning or we've alluded to spider spawning. I think people are going to have either a lot of very fond memories of this card or have heard the hype and are going to want to build decks with this card. So this is four and a green. For a sorcery, you make a 1-2 spider with reach for every creature card in your graveyard, and it has flashback for six and a black. 
So the way this card worked back in the day was it was part of a sort of package of, I think, maybe three or four cards. Um, but what it could do was, you know, you sort of turbo self-milled your deck, and then you could cast Spider Spawning from your graveyard for flashback. It goes into exile, and then there was a card called Runic Repetition that grabbed a card in exile with flashback and put it into your hand. So you could sort of loop that, then shuffle back in Runic Rep into your deck, rinse, repeat, and your only enemy was the MTGO clock because you were going to win otherwise. We don't have that in this set. So if you want to do loops, if you want to do spider spawning shenanigans, you're going to need Epitaph Golem, I think. But I also think that like self-mill spider spawning is going to be a deck, much like it was in original Innistrad. I think it's going to likely be base blue green splash black and not be a true green black card. Interesting. Yeah, that all checks out with me. And I would say for those of you that aren't aware of the junk reference, this is an old deck name for Abzan. Junk is white, green, black. So we talked about the Turbo Delirium deck that Raph Levy discovered, and we're saying that Green Black didn't quite pan out as a bigger Delirium deck. I think the the bigger mid-range endgame decks with Spider Spawning, plus you're going to get Unburial Rites, plus you're going to get Lingering Souls. Like You have a lot of powerful cards that are reasons to turn your library over now in the Abzan colors, assuming you can pick up a lot of these cards. Another card that was really important, but partially because you could cast it, like you could mill it, cast it from your graveyard with flashback, exile it, grab it again, rinse, repeat, was gnaw to the bone. And that's coming back. So this is two and a green instant gain two life for each creature card in your graveyard. And then that's flashback for two and a green. But this really does help that deck. Like one of the things that this deck does is like, you know, lose, 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 stabilize, 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 win. In that lose, lose, lose part of the game, Gaining 12 life, 14 life from a knot of the bone is huge. And this should be the basically the only deck that wants it. And that's coming back as well. Yes, will be significantly less good because you can't get it out of exile. Right. Repetition, but still, I assume going to be an important piece of the deck. All right. I think that's all the thoughts we have for our show notes. But we got to get into a roundtable here. Let's let's put some picks into practice. All right, this is pack one, pick one from one of my drafts. See the following cards as options. I think I might actually have a different pick out of this pack now. So cards in consideration, true face sensor, two mana for an artifact. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one vigilance. And as long as it's a human, it gets an additional plus one, plus oh, and it has an equip cost of two. There's Olivia's Dragoons, one and a black for a two, two. You can discard a card to give it flying until end of turn. There's Bound by Moon Silver, two and a white for an aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature can't attack, block, or transform. And you can sack another permanent to move Bound by Moon somewhere to another target creature. There's Shrill Howler, two and a green for a three one. Creatures with power less than Shrill Howler's power can't block it, and you can transform it for five and a green into that three five that makes those Eldrazi tokens. There's Pack Guardian, two GG for a four three flash. When it ETBs, you can discard a land. If you do, you make a two two green wolf creature token. And then build around Fleeting Memories, two and a blue ETBs investigate. And when you sack a clue, target player mills three cards like tons of very even options here pack one pick one yeah i think for me it comes down between pack guardian as in my mind is the four three flash in my mind the best like most powerful card in the pack but it is four mana and like probably every green deck wants it though maybe some green white decks don't and i think olivia's dragoon as like just rock solid probably best common discard outlet for the vamps deck 
And I, so that's like a reliable card for me. I think it's a little early. Like if I was feeling super spicy, I could take fleeting memories, but that's generally a card that I like to take a little later or have some better like clue enablers first before getting that payoff. That's where my head's at. My head's actually on true faith sensor. Is that crazy? That seems crazy to me. I just think, especially after this week, true faith sensor is going to be even more important to green white decks. Like, are you with me that True Face Sensor is as good in this format as Pirate's Cutlass was in Ixalan? Well, Pirate's Cutlass was the best common in Ixalan, right? So no. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, but I think True Face Sensor is close to that important for humans decks or just white beatdown decks in general. I don't know. I kind of like it here. I thought you were going to be all about Shrill Howler now that you were seeing the light with that card. I, that's I just what think... I was going to bring up is I'm not even sure Pack Guardian's better than Shrill Howler. That's close for me. Okay. I, yeah. So I, in, my, in my mind, Pack Guardian is better than Shrill Howler. And just it's just so good. So much raw stats. Discarding a land is sometimes an upside for Delirium. That might be even where I'd want to go the most is take Pack Guardian, try and draft the Raph Levy special. Yeah, that's fair. Pack Guardian's got to be insane in that deck, right? Yeah. I think like what you shouted out of like, there's a lot of close cards here. I think it's just about what you want to do. Yes, that's ultimately what you're deciding with this pack one, pick one. And so for me, I was going to say it's between True Face Sensor and Olivia's Dragoon, because to me, those set you up the best to draft a deck, right? True Face Sensor puts you down the lane of probably the best card in the pack for green, white humans. Dragoon is the best card in the pack for vamps. And I think Pack Guardian, once you're shouting out the Raph Levy thing, I have a lot more eyes for that. I'm in on Pack Guardian over Shrill Howler. Yeah. You did select in at the time Bound by Moonswiveler. We should talk about this card because I'm not that high on it these days. Like, I think it's fine, but it being three mana and it, you know, there there are ways to blow up enchantments. There, There is a merge floating around, right? There is sacrifice floating around that I, I'm not like so high on this card. It's good. I mean, yeah. I think it's a C plus as opposed to a B minus. This was downshifted, right? And I think it was like, oh my God, how could they downshift this card? I, I've honestly, like, I've been looking at this. I'm like, it can still activate abilities. I have been gotten by the it can't transform text more than I would like to say. I've definitely, like, I've had this put on my kindly stranger and I'm like, I don't care. And then I get delirium and I'm like, I'm going to flip this and kill your creature. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, why didn't it flip? What happened? And then then I read the bad news. But yeah, I, Bound by Moonsilver, uh, good, not great. And where I feel like there's other things, like either I'd rather, you know, maybe shoot for the moon a little bit with Pack Guardian, even Fleeting Memories as like a direction, or just take like Dragoon and True Faith Sensor as rock solid, like some of the best commons you can get for archetypes that are supported at common. But I think more important than what you're taking is seeing all of these possibilities and knowing where they lead you. Correct. All right, Pack 1, Pick 2. We took a Bound by Moonsilver, see the following cards as options. There's Traveler's Amulet, one for the artifact. You can pay one, sack this, search your library for basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. There's Gnarlwood Dryad, if you're on the Wrath Levy special. Green for a 1-1 Death Touch. Gets plus 2, plus 2, as long as there's four more card types in your graveyard. There's Drownyard Explorers is the best blue card in the pack. Three and a blue for a 2-4 when it ETBs you investigate. Then moving on to the uncommons, there's Midnight Scavengers. Four and a black for a 3-3. Three, three. ETBs, you can return target creature card, mana value three or less from your graveyard to your hand. And there's also Anguished Unmaking. One white black for an instant. Exile target non-land permanent, you lose three life. And then in the rare slot, Gyre Reach Sanitarium. Tap at a colorless or two tap. Each player draws a card and then discard a card. Yeah, I I think I would take Midnight Scavengers here myself, 
But again, there's as like I think a shout to the card I feel like has the highest ceiling or whatever, though I definitely feel a little nervous about taking a five mana card this early. A five mana card that's not like important, you know? Um, otherwise, I think I'm looking at Gnarlwood Dryad or Traveler's Amulet as just like cheap slash flexible in the case of amulet options. And if you take Pack Guardian, pack one, pick one with the, the idea that maybe you're going to bias towards this Delirium deck, are you taking Gnarlwood Dryad here? No, I think I'm still taking Scavengers, assuming it's going to be good in that deck and hoping that Gnarlwood Dryad, like looking at Dryad, Terrarian or Amulet as cards that can wheel. Okay. And I don't I don't know if that's true. I don't know if like I should be taking Dryad this early, but I feel like I don't have to. Yeah, I, I'm curious. I but that was a genuine question on my part. So I selected Traveler's Amulet here, pack one, pick two, mostly because I was unexcited by everything in the pack. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't aware of the Raph Levy deck at this point in my drafting experience. And Midnight Scavengers, while good, like what you said, everything about the card, like five mana or a three three that's not like a key piece to any deck really make me a little nervous, and I just wanted to keep my options open with Traveler's Amulet. All makes sense. All right, moving on to pack one, pick three. See the following cards as options. There's another Traveler's Amulet. There's Thraben Inspector, white for the one, two, ETBs, Investigate. Stop the presses. I know, that's going to take the cake on all of the commons. So there's a Bound by Moonsilver here as well, but Thraben Inspector is better than that. And then really no good uncommons in the pack, and the rare is already missing. This is just yeah, the easiest of easy Thraben Inspectors in my mind. Yes, snap that up there. And then moving on to pack one, pick four. Pretty weak pack. See the following cards as options. There's Insatiable Gorgers, two red red for a 5-3, attacks each combat if able, has madness for three and a red. There's another Drownyard Explorers. And then in the uncommons, there's Compelling Deterrence, one and a blue for an instant, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. That player discards a card if you control a zombie. I've not played a Compelling Deterrence yet in my life in this format. How do you feel about it? It's good. I mean, I have enjoyed it quite a bit. I think you don't have to be blue black for this to be a good card because there's so many zombies in blue. The two three with prowess is a zombie. The three three that mills for is a zombie. Like you're going to have random zombies floating around. And even if you don't make your opponent discard a card, one on a blue instant balance a non land permanent I have found is good enough. Yeah, I think like, you know, being able to reset uh, an expensive equip cost uh, by bouncing the creature or even blowing out a player by bouncing the equipment in combat, um, you know, bouncing something from under an aura, like bouncing something in response to a combat trick. I agree. It's not hard to get a card's worth of value out of just the first part of this. I guess I'd take that as the highest upside. This is another pretty stinky pack. Yeah, pack is really bad here. But I think it's easy to say like, well, compelling deterrence doesn't go with these white cards. Don't take it maybe necessarily, but I think you're you're giving up on some value if you're already doing that this early in the draft. It's tempo, baby. Tempo. That takes you on to pack one, pick five. Again, not a great pack, but there's some good cards here. Commons, the best common is Alchemist Greeting in the pack. Four and a red deals four to a creature with Madness, one and a red. And then in the uncommons, there's Thermal Alchemist, Banger for the Spells deck, one and a red for the O3 with Defender. Taps to deal a damage to each opponent. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you untap it. And there's also Curious Homunculus hanging out here, which is not very important to the spells deck, but certainly fine to play there if you get one. It's one and a blue for a 1-1. One, one. You can tap to add a colorless to only cast instants or sorceries. And then if there are ever three or more instants or sorceries in your graveyard during your upkeep, you flip it into a 3-4 prowess that permanently makes your instants and sorceries one mana cheaper. Yeah, I, I was just like looking ahead because I see the record at the top of the draft log is 7-0 and I'm looking at this clunky start and then I look at the deck and it's blue-red spells and I was like, 
how the heck do you get into blue red spells from the- oh here it is pack one pick five thermo alchemist and i would say alchemist in tandem with curious homunculus in the pack and alchemist's greeting and not that greeting has to be a blue red spells card right obviously i think its best home is red black madness red black vamps but seeing all three of these in the pack pick five makes me feel like okay this could be the right direction for me and i think alchemist is just you know the best highest ceiling card of those three for sure so i took the alchemist here and then it was a, a bit of a ride took a yeah. geese, a geese's bidding next with no black cards then got a pick seven drag under pick eight took a faith unbroken which should absolutely still not be in the pack Correct. so again like you've got a lot of powerful cards and this is how a lot of my drafts go where you have powerful cards in two three four colors that don't necessarily go with each other then you eventually hone in on a deck wheel to take inventory so I, I could have at the end of pack one gone blue red or white black and ended up shifting into the blue red gear and just got i mean this is a sweet looking deck but not a deck that i would go oh this obviously is a 7-0 crusher no i think i ran fairly hot in the games but yeah you ended up getting two thermal alchemists and a rise from the tides as your sort of spells payoffs some nice self mill a shreds of sanity as that sort of insurance for rise from the tides as we talked about looks good checks a lot of boxes yeah collective defiance also did an insane amount of work which is the rare uh one red red with escalate for one and you can deal four to a creature three to an opponent or have target player discard their hand and then draw cards was premium 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 yeah you had a line in one of your games where you could have bounced one of your opponent's things and then forced them to discard it with defiance i didn't see that line chat saw that line which was pretty cool very excited hopefully next week you probably catch us as we usually do on open weekend post day two draft but before any of the games but hopefully we'll have uh have a sweet deck what are you sort of hoping for like trying to spike something you're just like i want to i'll just see see what comes i mean if i were given the choice i would want to draft blue red spells just because i feel like i that's the deck i most intimately understand the cards and the play patterns for i would also love some green white humans Mm. I would want to stay away from red black vamps not that I would not want to play a good version of that I am just less comfortable drafting that and I think I would also be super in for some green delirium whether it is like bigger abzan self mill or maybe like getting to to pop off with raph levy's you know green turbo delirium deck that would be sweet any of those yeah I'm wondering if that deck is like gonna get overdrafted now with spider spawning coming in but hopefully not and hopefully it's a, it's a little bit of a hidden gem because yeah i think that's a deck green based delirium feels like a deck that i i can kind of uh, wrap my head around the spells deck i'm not that I, I don't know i don't know yet i gotta watch some more of your stream <laughs> all right great place to wrap us up best of luck to all of you in the arena open this coming week and thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music Make sure you give it a listen. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
It's really only take inventory and thrill of possibility. So both those are very important. You mean tormenting voice? Is that what I, what did I say? You said, you said thrill of possibility? They are the same card. <laughs> yes, I mean tormenting voice. They are not. Thrill is an instant. Oh, really? Yeah. Who knew? So which one is it? I'm serious. I <laughs> Who knew? They're the same card in my head. Tor- it's tormenting voice. Which is an is instant. The, is this? No. Is this sorcery? <laughs> Who is on first base? I swear I'm not being stupid. <laughs> Tor- <laughs> I'm dead. I can't do this. Tormenting voice. Tormenting voice is a sorcery. It's a sorcery and that's the one that's in the set. And you said thrill of possibility. Okay. <clears throat> Give me a second. Okay. And take inventory is one of the only ways to kind of cantrip in the format. There's not a ton of spells that just cast themselves, replace themselves, and go to the graveyard. It's really this and thrill of possibility. <laughs> I knew right? it. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> that was the wrong one. Yes. <laughs> no. I'm just going to leave the first one. I can't, I can't do this. It's fine. People are going to know what you, you meant. 